1: Welcome to the Jason in the House podcast. I'm Jason Chaffetz, and thanks so much for joining me. God, we're going to have a good guest today, um, Katie Pavlich, who you've seen on Fox News, and uh, amazing talent, great voice, uh, wonderful conservative, and just a super nice person, um, immense talent. I I got to know her back when I was actually in Congress, and she was writing a book, um, and came and spent a lot of time with us and our staff, and... and um, Anyway, excited to have Katie Pavlich on. We're going to talk a little bit about the news and then highlight the stupid because, as you know, everybody, there's no there's no shortage of material here. There's always somebody doing something stupid somewhere. So, And then, uh, like I said, we'll talk to Katie Pavlich. So first, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the news. Um, and this happened a little while ago, but uh, a reporter asked Karine uh, Jean-Pierre, the the White House spokesperson here, uh, does President Biden want more migrants to come to Delaware? Now, that should be a simple question, right? Does President Biden want more migrants to come to Delaware? And she says, the press secretary, I don't even understand that question. I will move on. How can you not understand that question? It, it's a simple question. And, um, you know, the inability or the lack of desire uh, is probably better said by this administration, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Secretary Mayorkas, others to address this massive, massive inflow of people coming here illegally is something that continues on to this day. And and we shouldn't stop talking about it just because the administration refuses to stop talking about it. They're coming in by the millions. Now, legally and lawfully, there's about a million people that come to this country. I happen to think that we have a higher moral obligation to the people that are trying to do it legally and lawfully. And those people we are failing because that that not enough time and attention is given to that. Instead, we're just saying, hey, come on over. You're a fool if you actually fill out the paperwork and, and try to apply for the proper visa. That's the message that's going out to the world. And that I think is absolutely, totally, it's just wrong. It's just wrong. Next thing in the news, something that is critical that I know that uh, I'm just afraid that you missed it is that Popeye's. Now, I love Chick-fil-A, but I really also love Popeye's. I think they got some of the best chicken out there. I just absolutely love it. Well, for the first time ever um, for Thanksgiving, you can order a Cajun-style turkey for delivery in honor of Thanksgiving 2022. So they will actually deliver it to your doorstep. You can get a turkey, um, a Cajun-style turkey prepared by Popeyes, delivered to your door. What a great idea. Hey, Chick-fil-A, why don't you also do that? That would be a wonderful thing. I would love to have Chick-fil-A for thanksgiving dinner and everybody's gonna get mad at me for that because yeah we love the traditional turkey but what's good i don't know popeye's prepared cajun style turkey that sounds pretty good to me all right time to bring on the stupid because you know what there's always somebody doing something stupid somewhere All right, I have to go to some climate activists uh, there at uh, VW. You know, the automaker VW. Well, overseas, uh, they were having some sort of auto expo. I'm not exactly sure what it was, but they had their, you know, brilliant, beautiful cars. And, uh, and uh, there were nine people who decided to go and make a spectacle of themselves at this show. So they ran up by the cars and then they glued themselves to the floor. Um, Now, here's what I love about VW. I've got a new appreciation for VW. One of the people who had glued themselves to the floor tweeted, at VW, told us that they supported our right to protest, but they refused our request to provide us with a bowl to urinate and defecate in a decent manner while we are glued and have turned off the heating. People in support can't get out of the building... Anyway, it goes on from there. Now they're complaining, so they glued themselves to the floor. VW says, "Hey, you got to, yeah, we support your right to protest." They turned off the heat, right? Good for the climate, good for, (laughs) good for the environment, I guess. Turned off the heat, turned off the lights. Said, "Enjoy it," and just left him there. Now I don't know what the conclusion of this story is going to be. But for these people who are idiots and glued themselves to the floor, complaining that now they can't get up to go to the bathroom, maybe they should have thought through that, that that through a little bit better. That, to me, is also bringing on the stupid. For the next one, I want to talk about what over on foxnews.com, you, you have Stacey Abrams, who is running for the governor of Georgia, who literally made the parallel, made the connection that said abortion, aborting a baby, is good for inflation. And Ted Cruz, he, quote, he tweeted out, despicable, I can't believe this needs to be said, but ending a human life is not the solution for inflation. Dan McLaughlin, a senior writer at National Review, said, I don't really expect Democrats to go with, you know, it's cheaper to feed your family if you kill a few of them in a closing argument, but yet here we are. I can't believe that she said that had the parallel of it and that bringing a life into this world would be such a financial burden that if you want to make life cheaper if you want to lessen the effects of inflation you should have more abortions. That's what she said. That's and it's it's disgusting but it's also stupid. And that's bringing on the stupid. All right, time to bring on Katie Pavlich. Katie's uh, one of our favorites. Uh, look, she's a great voice. She thinks of things that you wouldn't think of um, in a way that really challenges you and draws the perspective of the history of where we've been and what's going on today. And you've seen her on The Five and, I don't know, every show on Fox. Uh, she's a great voice. So I want to give a call out to Katie Pavlich. Hello. Katie, this is Jason Chaffetz.
2: Oh, my gosh. Jason, how are you? Great to hear from you.
1: Thank you so much for picking up the phone. You know, they have this thing called the caller ID, and I was afraid I wasn't going to get through.
2: Well, I I hope you're not in trouble, you know, the phone a friend thing. Sometimes you never know where the phone call is coming from. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the one That's phone true. call. That's true. <laughs> and, I got to tell you, if i hear your one phone call, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well,
1: listen, I, I appreciate you joining us on the podcast today. And, um, you know, I've actually known you for a while since I was first in Congress, and, and you've had an yeah. amazing career and trajectory, and you got a great voice on on Fox and elsewhere. And and um, I just wanted to chat with you a little bit more about kind of who you are and where you grew up and how things yeah, sure. came about and, and uh, a little bit more about, you know, where you've come from, how you, how you rose to, to where you are today, because you're such an important voice and a strong voice in you believe what you believe. And uh, it's very compelling. So I wanted to start by going back to when you were little, Katie, little, little girl. <laughs> T- tell us about growing up. Where'd you grow up? What was life like? Yeah. You know, did you have siblings? What, what was life like early for you?
2: Yeah, no, I was, I was blessed with a wonderful childhood. Uh, I grew up in Flagstaff, Arizona. My parents lived on five acres of property outside of town. And I had this great window view of the San Francisco peaks every morning. And uh, my parents built the house actually um, before I was born and before my brother was born. I have one younger brother and we just grew up, you know, outside uh, in the woods, grew up hunting and fishing with my dad. Uh, you know, learning how to garden with my mom and we traveled the West. I mean, we would go camping in Colorado in the summertime. And um, my, my father actually is an amazing outdoor cook. And so he would oftentimes get invited to do these big cooking expeditions for camps in the summer. So we went up to Wyoming one summer and he cooked for an outdoor survival camp there and we got to go and so a lot of my my upbringing was, you know, outside, you know, our field trips uh, in school were to the Grand Canyon. So our curriculum was, I think, a lot different than most people in the country in the sense that I used to know every single layer of the Grand Canyon in terms of the rock formations. Right. <laughs> and so we just got to do a lot of really awesome stuff. And um, my parents were teachers and small business owners. My dad just retired after 35 years as a public teacher. My mom was a professor um, and then ran her own business. So, yeah, I learned a lot from them. Um, you know, the older I get, the even more grateful I am for the lessons that they taught me as a kid. Um, and I'm just, you know, really, you know, g- I have a lot of gratitude for the way that I grew up and and uh, in a place that I think that I definitely did not appreciate while I was living there.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, you're in your own small kind of world and cocoon, and then you think, well, oh, everybody lives like this, right? And Yeah, and, uh, right. But you... I mean, you're a very conservative person. There's, there's no doubt about that. And you're passionate yeah. about that conservatism. Where, where did that come from? I mean, is that just, not everybody that kind of grows up having, uh, you know, in Flagstaff ends up like that. So where, where yeah. did that come from?
2: <laughs> well, especially Flagstaff being in the largest blue County uh, in Arizona yeah, it's a exactly. miracle I got out and I keep moving to these liberal places. So it's like, I'm never among my own people, but, um, <laughs> No, you know, was it Margaret Thatcher who said the facts of life are conservative? Um, you know, my parents are are politically conservative, but it was just how we we lived. I mean, we lived kind of off the grid. We hauled our own water and we chopped our own wood for the fireplace in the in the wintertime. So it was just a matter of, you know, being very independent and resourceful and not wasteful and understanding that you have to earn things. They don't just come to you. Um, and you know being, in a car wash where my, that my parents owned, you know, working there and understanding how a small business operates and understanding regulations and rules that were, you know, put on them by the city and um, the bureaucracy of the, all of that, that comes with owning a small business in a place like Flagstaff. Um, so, you know, the way I was just living my life as a, a, a child and then into young adulthood just required me to be, I would say just right-leaning in terms of the practice of my life, um, but my parents, you know, they did have a a poster of Ronald Reagan and his cowboy hat in the garage. Um, okay. I didn't really so it was Ronald Reagan until I got older. Um, and my parents were just politically active, whether it was on the school board or, you know, paying attention to the news. And I, I think I just was listening as a kid. Uh, I used to write Bill Clinton letters about tax policy when really? I was six years old. Yes, you wrote me back. Yeah. I wrote him a letter about how it was unfair that he gets to take our money and we don't get to spend his money. <laughs> and uh, I got a, wow. a a letter back from the White House. Um, so, yeah, it just was part of my upbringing and, and being involved um, as a family locally and you know on a bigger scale. My, my parents took us to see George W. Bush when he was re- running for re-election in 2004, and my mom decided to protest the protesters, so she put a big sign on the car, knowing we would be driving past all of them. Um, so it it just is really, I guess, part of who I am and and being involved. And if you go way back, um, you know, I'm a daughter of the American Revolution. So when my family way back in the day got sick of King George, they they came here. <laughs> so um, yeah, so that's really, I think, what what drives that. Um, it just is a, a basis for my life.
1: You're you're an exceptionally good writer, but you're also good speaking and and articulating in a very quick format, you know, television, where you got to cut right to the nub of the issue pretty quickly. Uh, Where'd that skill set come from? Because uh, some people can write, some people can speak, not everybody can do both. And um, that seems to be like core to your your abilities here is your ability to, to write and speak. But I mean, you don't just pop up one day and say, oh, now I get to do this. Where did that come from?
2: I've always just loved the idea of and the art of debate and communication. And my my mom was a, a public relations professor. Uh, my dad was a, a Spanish teacher for for decades of his life. So, you know, I, I kind of understood how they did their work and uh, learned from them about how to speak up for yourself to speak eloquently to if i was going to speak at a school board meeting for example which i did in high school um i needed to understand how to articulate my point of view and let's
1: go back let's hear that story what not every (laughs) student goes to the school board and and decides to take the microphone what 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 got under your under your saddle to do that (laughs)
2: So our school board actually was, we had a lot of controversy um, when I was, I think I was a freshman in high school and the school board, parts of them actually got recalled. I don't remember exactly all of the details now, um, but, you know, I would go with my mom to the baseball games on the weekends and we would grab signatures to recall the school board because there just were millions of dollars magically missing. And, you know, while there wasn't enough funding for, teacher pay increases or textbooks, there, you know, the, the superintendent couldn't find a, a lot of this money and millions of dollars for a small school district uh, is a lot of money. And so I just went and spoke on behalf of the students and, and to, to back up some of the teachers who were upset, who I really, you know, appreciated in my education. So you know my mom led the way but we were all a little bit involved and I just couldn't help myself. I mean it's just something that I just had to do and that's kind of been the way that I've been ever since then you know if there's something I want to take a stand on or speak about I tend to uh, find a way to to do that so it re- it's just I've obviously been able to tailor that now to my career and it's been very helpful um, but it, it is a skill set and it's still challenging for sure uh, every day depending on what you're talking about and I just believe that in the line of work that we're in, people are spending their most valuable resource with you, which is their time. And if they're going to spend their time with you, you should respect their time and, and the, and give them something they can take away. So I'm I'm always trying to teach something new or take a different perspective or do a little extra research on something that may have been missed. And so that's been my approach.
1: The idea that, uh, they are giving you your time, and and you think, mm-hmm. well, look, I just don't want to regurgitate what is obviously right. sitting right there on the table. What what other unique perspective um, and thought, and a way to think through that, and and you do that like regularly, and I and it shows. It's because you know the the material and done your homework, and and then also have the history of thinking it through and comparing it mm-hmm. to where maybe the. <laughs> Oh, now now they say they're in favor of energy production, but let's go back <laughs> right. a couple of years cuz that isn't yeah. what they were trying to do. You know, it's yeah, like Mark exactly. Kelly right now is running ads in Arizona trying to tout how, oh, you know, how uh how strong he is on the border and how he stands you know, up to Joe Biden and I just I just want to laugh at that. Like really? Yeah. That that ain't true. So Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you you go through um grade school and go through high school and then what we well, now now it's time to go spread your own wings what, what did you do
2: yeah so I I went to the University of Arizona and there's a little bit of family history there as well my great-aunt Mary Roby was the associate athletic director there for 30 years and really oh, wow. uh, worked on title nine and launched, uh, you know, women's sports that were just club level sports into division one territory and, and enabled or allowed, you know, fought for the, the ability for women to have scholarships just like male athletes have scholarships. And so I, I wanted to go there and, um, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. You know, I, I was certainly one of those college students who had no idea. I mean, I went in, in, you know, I, th- I had a business major, and after my second accounting class, that was something I definitely was not going to be able to do. <laughs> so, I, uh, I I then switched to I, I thought I wanted to be a sports reporter, uh, a sideline reporter, and because I grew up, my, you know, my great my my grandfather is in the Arizona High School Football Hall of Fame. He won five state championships. He also won basketball wow. state championships. You know, had the sports background with U of A. I played sports in high school. So I, I love sports. And so I thought I was going to you know, switch from business to being a sideline reporter. And so I changed to broadcast journalism with a minor in political science. And I, I think my parents were very concerned I would end up back in their home uh, after I tried to get a job when I graduated. <laughs> Luckily, it's been OK and it worked out. But then I went to a Young America's Foundation conference and it was like a light bulb went off. Like it was it was finally I was finally shown the path of where I needed to go. I was like, oh, yeah, I've always been into politics. Like I said, I wrote Bill Clinton letters. Um, I always, you know, when Fox News first came on and we were able to finally get television, um, I was always interested in debating, you know, and I always I always said, I'm going to debate Alan Combs someday. That's going to be me on the other side of the screen debating him. And so I finally had this pathway. So I, I finished my broadcast journalism degree and then moved to D.C. and, really just jumped right into everything happening. And I always tell young journalists who want to pursue media, you know, DC is the place to be. There's always something going on. You can really do a ton of work in a short period of time and get a ton of experience. And then you can go anywhere else in the country. So that was really my pathway to the beginning of where I am now.
1: I think, uh, like, like I said, I think the first time I met you was you were diving into and wrote a book about fast and furious. And yeah the number of meetings we had to take with Katie Pavlich to try to talk through this. It was impressive. Like, you know, sometimes (laughs) you meet with the reporter and it's like, you know, they're, they're touching the surface, but Oh my gosh, you got into the nitty gritty and you know, I look, I was in Congress looking at this issue and, by the time we got to the end of this, you knew it way better than, than we did, right? Me and my staff. But, um, I don't know if
2: that's true. but
1: Well, but you wrote a great book about it. And, it, you know, talk us through that process because I think some people wake up and say, oh, I can write a book. But writing a book yeah. is tough. It takes a lot. There's a lot of words you got to put on paper.
2: Yeah. I always talk about writing a book is like having a baby. You like black out how terrible it was. Um, <laughs> the process. Uh, that particular book was a, a heavily investigated journalistic piece, and I was new in town to D.C. You know, the scandal had popped up where a Border Patrol agent was murdered. There was talk about the guns coming from the United States government through Operation Fast and Furious, as you know, and it, it really just it, it piqued my interest, I think, because A, it happened in Arizona, uh, but B, it was it was all these different topics that i was very interested in whether it was border security federal law enforcement gun control atf holding government accountable and the you know it, new things just kept happening and i just felt so passionately about it that i was covering it on a regular basis and then regnery called me and asked if they wanted if, if i wanted to put it into a book form and so it was such an amazing opportunity especially given you know, I hadn't had a ton of experience, so they were really taking a risk on me. Um, but it was such an important story that, of course, the mainstream media wasn't covering. Uh, there was a few few folks uh, covering it, but not many. And it just was such an egregious case of government corruption, lying, um, and people were killed as a result. And there was very little accountability for it. So it was something that I, I you know, I still am passionate about. Uh, it happened a long time ago now, but. It just it really kind of just organically happened, just based on the topic and and the players involved.
1: That was really my first foray where I was disillusioned by the so called traditional mm-hmm. mainstream media. Where mm-hmm. here you had the Attorney General of the United States of America, the Obama administration, right after Barack Obama takes office, suddenly they start this operation. Were literally nearly 2,000 weapons, mostly AK-47s, were knowingly and willingly given over to the drug cartels. Um, right. And, the, I mean, it was, it's a stunning story. But I yeah. kept thinking, wh- where, where are the New York Times? Like, wh- mm-hmm. where, where's the Washington Post? Like, what happened to all these big <laughs> investigative journalists? Like, where were yeah. they?
2: Well, and-, and part of part of the book, you know, that I talk about is actually the story in the Washington Post. Right before Brian Terry was murdered, was all about how the Iron River of guns from the United States and these very specific gun shops was causing murder and mayhem in Mexico. But we find out later that ATF was forcing those gun shops to sell these guns yeah. and then allowing them. To go to mexico where they lied to the gun shops and said that they wouldn't be trafficked um so they were covering it it from a very different angle and basically just reprinting what the u.s attorney in arizona was saying about it what the atf agents involved were saying about it and then smearing the whistleblowers eventually as folks who you know had a, a bone to pick or whatever and so It was amazing. It was amazing to watch the trajectory of how that piece completely fell apart. They did this huge expose about, you know, the guns, the gun problem in Mexico being the fault of the United States. And therefore, we need more gun control. Right. That's what they were arguing. It was all a lie. It was all a setup. It was it was. And for me, you know, looking at things like the Russia investigation now and the Hunter Biden situation, I mean, it just is incredible how this is the same pattern still persists in the federal government and how people just get um, promoted for it. I mean, you said disillusion, like that's how I feel too. I mean, it just is incredible how these things happen at this huge scale. And yet it's almost like no, there's no punishment at all. In fact, there's reward for what goes on.
1: Well, I'm, I'm kind of struck by this NBC reporter who scored the first interview with uh, John Fetterman who's running for the Senate Mm -hmm. there in, in, in Pennsylvania. And she goes in and and gets this first interview since he had this stroke and like nobody, you know, everybody's sympathetic with somebody who has a a medical episode, but she goes out and tells the candid truth about how he was very incredibly difficult time processing, speaking, doing all this. She comes out and tells. And she's being excoriated by, by yeah. her colleagues instead of winning awards and saying, Oh, well, this person's <laughs> going to win. I mean, how in yeah. the world did we get to this place, Katie? Cause I, I don't understand yeah. it. That, that seemed as newsworthy as anything. Not only did they try to bury it, but now they're trying to beat her up and make sure that she, you know, loses her career.
2: Yeah, it, it is astonishing to watch fellow, quote, journalists go after her and say, that oh, well, maybe she, she's the one who's bad at small talk. When when you watch the, it's not even what she, she said happened. I mean, if you watch the interview, it's reflective of her accounting of the situation. And we're in this age now, uh, the term gaslighting is so overused, but you you watch something with your own eyes and hear it with your own ears. And yet they say it's not that, because essentially what these people are saying is like what you saw uh, this this reporter do in the interview didn't happen. Like, well, it did happen because I can see it happened, right? So we're in this very bizarre place where thing there's the truth, and then people just say like it's not there. It 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 really does hurt my brain because it just doesn't make any sense. You know, it's crazy to to do that, but then it makes you feel crazy, even though it's clear what's what happened. And so for them to, to, to punish her now and to take the word of the Fetterman campaign that she needs better training and to be more sensitive uh, really just is incredible.
1: Yeah. There is story after story after story uh, of this, um, this happening. And I, look, I had it happen firsthand. I mean, I was working with the New York mm-hmm. times reporter and, and uh, it gave him some information that should have been a page one, New York times story. Mm-hmm. And he came back uh, shortly thereafter because I didn't see him tweeting about it or putting it out there. And and he said, look, my editors just know that this will be bad for Hillary Clinton, so they're not going to run it. And I mean, it was that blatant. I Mm -hmm. mean, it was that they were blunt about if it doesn't help Hillary Clinton, we're not going to run with it. And I thought, well, you're just a online newsletter that's uh, you know for liberals only it's mm-hmm. you don't tell me you're the record or the old gray lady right. or whatever you want to claim you are you're just you're just not anymore
2: well and that's i think that's the exact issue right it's one thing if you're going to that's the behind the scenes that they talk to you about right my editors don't want to run this because it's bad for hillary clinton but on the front end the american public they claim that they're serving they say that they're objective and that they have their best interests in mind and that they're running down stories that matter to them when they're not. I mean, just be honest. I think the, you know, being honest about your political perspective actually is more, has a lot more integrity than doing stuff like that behind the scenes while at the front claiming to be telling the truth. I mean, just be honest about the political perspective you're coming from, and then people can make their own decisions about, you know, reading your work. Um, but they continue to to just say they're the paper of record and they're objective. And it's just, it's a lie. And it's disrespectful of, of people's time, right? Just be honest <laughs> yeah. about where you're coming from. And everybody can, can take that and do with it what they will.
1: You're listening to Jason in the house. We'll be back with more of my conversation with Katie Pavlich right after this.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
1: All right. So let's go back to Katie and your, your, your career here. So you you go to Washington D.C. I mean that's a little different than Flagstaff, Arizona. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
2: um, for sure. and
1: Tucson down there at, at the U of A. Mm-hmm. All right, so you're there and you're diving in. Uh, you're covering this. You start to write. You you write a book. How did you end up on Fox?
2: Yeah, so it's actually a really funny story. I'm glad you asked me about this. So I ended up on Fox for the first time uh I was on the on the on red eye <laughs> yeah Greg Gutfeld. I, was at, I was at CPAC uh-huh. and this was my first CPAC as a young professional so I'd gone to CPAC many times as a student and I was working and I was in this jam-packed reception that had too many people and I saw Greg Gutfeld walk in with his producer and I think it was Annie Levy and I immediately said because you know, I was always networking, and when I was in college at CPAC, everyone else was partying, and I was like handing out my resume. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just like right, I was right. like the nerd. <laughs> um, so he walks in, and he's over on the other side of the room, and I immediately think to myself, oh, my gosh, I have to go introduce myself just to you know, let him know who I am and that I like the show, whatever. And I'm trying to get closer, and I hear Greg complaining about how the line for drinks is too long. And so they're gonna leave, and so I you complain? Like, like, Are you kidding? Yeah, me? exactly. Wow. I'm like, they, I'm like, they cannot leave. Like, they cannot leave. I have to like introduce myself. No, so I barrel my way over there through all these people, and I'm like, hey guys, like, I, I will get you a drink. Please don't leave. Like, I will get you whatever you want. What do you want? So they gave me their drink order, and I cut the line and got them all a beer. <laughs> and brought it back and had like a short conversation. And his producer at the time, Michaela was so grateful I and mean, to just introduce myself. And so then she emailed me a couple weeks later to come on the show. So I bought a bus ticket and I got on a bus to go to New York and three hours into the bus ride, the tsunami hits Japan. So oh. they canceled the show for the night. Oh, so I'm no. thinking, Oh no, I missed my chance and I was staying with my brother in his dorm room because I couldn't afford a hotel <laughs> and they didn't pay for travel. So I went to like my brother's dorm for the weekend and then came home and I was so disappointed and sad and whatever. So anyway, I got asked to come again. So I very excited, bought another bus ticket, went to New York and did the show for the first time. And then, after you working know, million paper travel they cake for a car. So I get in this fancy town car. I'm feeling all great, you know, and I tell him to take me to this address. And again, it's my brother's dorm room while I'm sleep where I'm sleeping on the floor with his three roommates in their bunk beds. And <laughs> he- the driver drops me off and he's like, "Are you sure this is where you're <laughs> supposed to be going?" <laughs> So the first time on Fox was that, but then I did some MSNBC and CM, you know, CNBC and Larry Kudlow. Well, wait,
1: how did it go? How, wait, how did it go with Gutfeld? I mean, you get, had to be a little nervous.
2: Funny. I was totally nervous. I don't think I really understood the format of the show. And I didn't want to embarrass myself because I want I wanted to be taken seriously, but I knew it was a fun show. I don't think I did well, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I made it, so I was just happy to be on. And I think right. it worked out okay since I'm, st- I'm working there now. But
1: yeah, right, <laughs> um, right.
2: <laughs> it was fun. It was fun that they had me. And the my my tagline was the doll from Town Hall because that's you know. And so <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was fun. Com, yeah. yeah. So then you know my my boss eventually was like, you can ride the train. You don't have to keep buying bus tickets to New York. <laughs> so I was on like the mega bus, you know. But then I started doing you know other other more serious work on television and the book really. Kind of launched me into a different category of, of doing kind of that kind of work um and so you know i used to do larry kudlow's show on cnbc he was amazing um, and now i love doing a show on fox business i used to do pierce morgan's show on cnn um mm-hmm. during the 2012 election and that was really fun um did some stuff there from the dnc and uh had a, a pretty big moment early on about ted kennedy and it was great um So, yeah, that's where I really first got on Fox. But I did start covering things other than, you know, red eye. (laughs) But it's just a funny story of how I got my foot in the door.
1: (laughs) No, look, a lot of people did red eye or or did, you know, a a weekend show, you know, Mm -hmm. even when I was, you know, first in Congress. And, uh, I'd get these calls and it was terribly inconvenient to do like super early on a Saturday morning. And I'm like, ah, it's my only day I can't, but I kept doing that. And you know, it's amazing how the producers, the bookers, they all kind of move around and they go from show to show to show. And, and, um, you know, Fox and friends first is like, Mm -hmm. whoa, that's early. (laughs) And, and especially for those, who uh, uh, those of us who live a little west of the Mississippi, right? And right. So, um, but that's you know that's partly what it takes is mm-hmm. getting the repetition yep. and the experience, and then and then those bookers moved to different shows and and um, yeah. So you obviously made it happen because. You, you do great. We love watching you there. So. Oh,
2: thanks. Yeah, I just worked a lot, you know, and I still work a lot. But I just really tried to take advantage of every opportunity I could. And I think it paid off. You know, I think so much anymore with with uh, all the media available, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, whatever, people just think that overnight success is a thing. And it's not. It's it's really not. I mean, you have to work hard every day to, to reach your goals. And there's a lot that people see on the front end, but they don't see all the work on the back end, you know?
1: Yeah. That's the thing. And Sean Hannity talks about this a lot. You know, he said, you know, I do all these hours on radio and then I do a TV show. He said, what nobody Mm -hmm. appreciates is all the research and all of the development that takes Mm -hmm. in order to go out and do a segment. I mean, and, and that's, and I've seen that with you too. You, 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 you tenacious in your, Kind of research and knowing the material so that you can draw the connections that maybe the rest of the audience doesn't see, and that's that's what that's what people want, right? So, yeah. uh, so what's next? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? What? Uh,
2: Ooh, yeah. Um, I mean,
1: you, you're kind of <laughs> at the pinnacle, but what do you want? What do you really want to do?
2: It's all downhill from here. No, um, <laughs> I I'm not sure. You know, I you always want to be moving ahead, right? You you never want to get too comfortable uh, in one place. But right now I'm just I'm really enjoying the work that I'm doing and my strategy so far has been to, you know, have the plan of of doing things as opportunities come along and pursuing new opportunities but not planning too much so that you don't kind of close the door on accident on things that may come up that you didn't think about. So, you know, I love what I'm doing with Fox getting through the, you know, get through the midterm elections. I just did this really fun a show for fox nation called luxury hunting lodges of america and that was amazing um yeah that's a rough gig
1: you had there katie that's that that is that's yeah that's really getting getting out there getting the fingernails dirty i get that
2: (laughs) hey you know what my fingernails did get dirty a few times i gotta say but i got i got eaten live by fire ants in in louisiana but see no one saw that part um
1: (laughs) that (laughs) would have been good tv right there
2: It it would have been. Yes. Uh, Wasn't so pleasant for like three weeks after that, but I survived. Um, So we'll see. You know, I I really am enjoying the work now. And I think when you're in this space or just if you're type A in your work like I am, you tend to fidget a lot and want to be moving on to the next thing. (laughs) But I really want to also, you know, be in the moment and be grateful for the work that I'm doing now and and really take it in instead of just rushing on to the next thing so covering elections you know continuing to to, with my work at town hall Fox, um it's just been really great so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing and then hopefully we can make some things happen down the road if they well you also do
1: some brand promotion right I see you out there with uh, Black Rifle yeah
2: yeah Black Rifle Volquartsen so Doing some stuff on social media with those guys, and you know, it's just a, a great way to stay grounded and really be in the heart of America and understanding how business works and what people are interested in, and having a lot of fun. I mean, the Black Rifle guys are always having so much fun. So it's fun to be a small part of of that um, American success story. Well, at its
1: core, to what um, you do, it's not a reach. Like, oh, come on, Katie doesn't. She's not like right. that.
2: It's genuine. Yes, it's it's yeah. genuinely what it's who I am fit. and what I like to do. You know, so. So things are good. So I'm not sure exactly what's next, but I do know that what I'm doing now is something that I love, and uh, so I'm going to keep doing that well, and we'll see what the future holds.
1: You're listening to Jason in the House. We'll be back right after this. All right, so I, Katie, I I don't, um, you know, no matter how many uh, school board meetings you went to as a teenager complaining... <laughs> I have some (laughs) rapid fire questions I need to ask you. We're not too rapid, but I got just we do this with each (laughs) person, kind of get to know you a little bit better. Gives a little different glimpse into to Katie Pavlich here. So, if you don't mind, here we go.
2: Yeah, let's do
1: it. What was your high school mascot?
2: A Mustang.
1: Uh, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. you know, some, now sometimes Mustang. you ask this and you're like, oh, come on. There was you know, that. But a Mustang, that's legit. Uh, first concert you attended?
2: Oh, Reba McIntyre and Brooks and Dunn with my dad.
1: Oh, very good.
2: Yep. It was the, amazing. Were they and in then Flagstaff took, and took, down in there, They in were in Phoenix. Phoenix and uh, he, I was complaining about Brooks and Dunn because they were an opener and I didn't understand where Reba was. I was like, where's Reba? What's happening? Who are these guys? <laughs> and they went on to be entertainers of the year, I think. <laughs> right, and right a couple, yeah,
1: yeah. They're putting a on a pretty good ago. show, yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I was just like, where's Reba? But a couple years ago when they re- reunited in Las Vegas, I took my dad. So it was awesome. Oh, that's good. Good for you. Yeah. Was um,
1: what was your first celebrity crush?
2: Oh, geez. Do I want to admit this? Leonardo DiCaprio? Oh, so gross.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, so you were on the wrong path, and we you got back on the right yeah, path. Got, that's I good. Got,
2: I got I got a the path was righted. Yes.
1: Well, he was a heartthrob for a lot of people back he in the day. was a titanic. I, I get that.
2: Yeah. Before he talked about climate policy.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> he. Uh, th- that's a whole nother topic. Um, what was your first job? I'm not talking like, "Hey, Katie, you gotta go take out the garbage." I mean, like, yeah, away from home. What was your first? Okay job for working for somebody else
2: okay well my parents owned a car wash so i have to give them credit for giving me like my first job even though it was kind of volunteer it yeah, i didn't yeah. get paid like by the what hour what were you doing at the car wash shoveling mud in blizzards um digging through the you know we, the the uh bribe was you can take you can keep the change you find in the vacuums but you have to clean them out. So cleaning out the vacuums, (laughs) taking out the trash, um, it was great. I mean, my mom taught me a lot about mechanics and all that kind of stuff. So that was like my first job as a family business. But my first job was, my real job was a hostess at the local country club for a summer before I went to college. Uh,
1: Well, that's good. Working, you know, even though it's your mom and dad, working at a car rush. For those that don't understand Flagstaff, even though it's called you know, it's in Arizona. It gets cold and there's it a lot of snow in Flagstaff at times. Yeah.
2: A lot. Flagstaff yeah. is
1: not the desert. It, it's no, it, it's beautiful. 7,000
2: feet elevation. They we got the Lundians skiing Lundians up there.
1: Them. Yeah. It, it, it's yeah. yeah it, it, it's, it legitimately gets very cold up there. Um, yeah. What is the Katie Pavlich superpower? What can you do that? Like, yeah, I'm really good at that. Uh,
2: I'm pretty good shot with the rifle um yeah that's a good superpower right
1: yeah that is good uh do you have a pet growing up
2: (laughs) yes we had lots of dogs we actually used to breed labrador retrievers so we had lots of labs around
1: oh that's good my first word was doggy, actually (laughs) if you could be one person just say all right we got somebody coming over for dinner tonight um dead or alive anybody in history who would you bring over and who who would that person be?
2: Anyone in history? Oh, I think I'd choose my grandpa because I never got to meet him. And he had such an amazing life. You know, he fought in World War II, had malaria, met my grandmother in an Australian hospital when she was working there, sent her back to Arizona. They eloped in Australia and then she waited for him to come back from the war. Um he had a pretty amazing life story. And he was he was first generation American because his parents came to America through Ellis Island. So I think I'd probably sit with him.
1: Oh, uh, that's neat. That is a good one.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, a unique talent that nobody knows about.
2: Oh, geez. You play like the banjo with your toes about. or something? Oh, geez. Uh no, but maybe I'll try that. Um a unique talent that no one knows about. Uh, I'm good at making pies. Really? Um, I'm a pretty good gardener. That. Yeah, I'm a pretty good gardener. I can grow some like significant food. Um,
1: Pie making is not. I know how
2: to. I know how to watercolor. I'm a pretty good watercolor artist. I'll say that.
1: Is this like paint by numbers? You're pretty good at that, or no? Is it... No,
2: no. It's like real watercolor. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Those are those are good. Those are legitimate. Yeah. I got to see some of great. that. Um, <laughs> a pineapple on pizza? Yes or no?
2: oh uh, yeah. I like pineapple
1: on pizza. Oh, Katie, we were on such a roll. <laughs> you were answering everything just not like always, very impressively. Sometimes. That you got wrong. Judges do not like this answer. Sorely disappointed in you. Just need you just want you to know that. Sorry. Um, you know, just, a couple more, just a couple more questions. Favorite menu item at Taco Bell?
2: Uh, Taco Supreme. There you go. All right. Mm-hmm.
1: I've had a couple Crunchy. of people when we've done this, and they're like, oh, I've never eaten. John Roberts, never have eaten it at uh, Taco Bell.
2: Well, he's Canadian. And I'm like, so.
1: you got to be kidding me. you got to <laughs> live in the real world, brother. It's the best. All right, just a couple more. Uh, favorite childhood toy. Oh, um, a favorite
2: childhood toy. I mean, you were
1: outdoors. Toy. You were out playing, and you yeah. had the real-
2: My bow, you maybe. a toy, a right?
1: But. Uh Was
2: fun. I I made a bow once out of a stick that was a fun toy. Yeah, well, that's that's good. Yeah,
1: um, all right. Last question uh, best advice you ever got?
2: The best advice I think I ever received was to run your own race because you know, you look at runners and they're you know, you always want to be competing, but if you look to the side too much, you're going to slow down. So, just being true to yourself and running your own races been pretty good advice
1: for me. No, that's a that's a that's great advice. Yeah. Um Katie Pavlich, thank you so much for joining. Yeah, us. No, thanks, thank for a- so <laughs> thanks for answering the phone. Thanks for answering the phone. I didn't know if that yeah. was actually going to happen, so thanks for doing <laughs> that and uh great voice on on Fox and everywhere else and townhall.com and all that. But uh thanks for joining me on the podcast. Yeah.
2: No, thanks so much for having me. I'm grateful to be here.
1: All right, I can't thank Katie Pavlich enough. Uh, she's a great voice, great talent. You'll see a lot more of her, I'm sure, at Fox and, and elsewhere. And I really appreciate her taking the time um uh, she's a good friend and a great talent, and uh, can't thank her enough for joining us. And thanks for joining us on the Jason in the House podcast. I hope you can rate it. I hope you can subscribe to it so you get it every week. We'll be back with another guest next week. Hope you're able to join us for that. And also go check out foxnewspodcast.com. A lot of good, talented people with great podcasts out there. Um, and anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find this. Again, thank you again for joining us, allowing us, uh, you know, a bit of your time. I'm Jason Chaffetz. This has been Jason in the House. From the Fox News
2: Podcasts
1: Network.
0: Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.